0: You're listening to The Voice of Dog, and this week, we're reading Halloween stories. Today's story is And the Churring Worm Doth Chide, written and read for you by Rod McWolf, whose fault all this is. And you can find more of his stories on his SoFurry page. A scenario. You meet an old friend, you say hello, you sit down to talk. You notice a new and unusual detail, some small trinket, perhaps, like a feather. Should you ask about it? Surely the worst that can happen is that they would answer you. Tonight, in. And the chennering worm doth chide on the ghost of dog. Well, it's a complicated story. This is a few years back by now. "'I was trying to get up towards St. Aringers. "'I had had a message from a cousin there was work to be had. "'So I was catching long-distance buses when I could afford them "'and hitchhiking when I couldn't. "'I got dropped off just after sundown by a trucker. "'Horned lizard, handsome guy. "'Would have offered to share a motel room if his route "'hadn't been about to turn the wrong direction. "'Not fifteen minutes later, a thunderstorm blows up. "'Out of nowhere, a real gully washer. "'So I sprinted for the only shelter I could see, "'which turned out to be a bus stop.' Now, I don't know if you ever caught a bus out in the prairie states, but the bus stops are in these shacks on account of the blizzards they get some winters. If the road gets snowed in and the bus is late, then people waiting for it need shelter, or they'll freeze, right? They got lights that run off a solar panel on the roof, never seem to last more than a couple hours past midnight, and they got little charcoal stoves, though usually somebody swiped the charcoal. Even if that's not what the place is meant for, they're a good place to duck in a downpour. I get in and there's other folks in there, which, not unusual. Older lady, bison, overalls and big waterproof boots. Guy in a bus line uniform, bobcat, probably a relief driver, I've had to guess. They're stooped over the stove, trying to get it going. And over in the corner is an old skunk, scrawny, maybe got some otter or ferret in him, was sleeping in here by the looks of him, and got woke up when folks ducked in from the storm. At first I think he's drunk. And then I think he's sick. And then I think he's both. So I decide to stand on the other side of the stove. No offense, of course. God knows the world ain't gentle with none of us. It's just I've been riding the buses and the rails long enough to know how to keep my mouth shut and not make eye contact. Didn't work this time. So, Skunk gets to his feet, unsteady-like. You wanna know how I got this feather? All three of us freeze. And it's one of those moments like where I don't even have to look at the bison or the bobcat to know we're all three thinking the same thing. If one of us says no, nobody asked, is that going to rile him up while we're stuck in here with him? He comes closer, into the firelight, and holds out a crow feather. What? No, it's not this one. It's a different one. I'm getting to it, like I said. It's complicated. So he stares at the feather he's holding, which is not this one I've got, I should have specified. And he says, Johnny boy couldn't play the fiddle worth a damn. Like we're supposed to know who that is. Didn't stop him trying. Much as well, dearly wished he would. And the old skunk steps over the bench and sits hunched over the fire, which is when I guessed it was too late to stop him. Every night he'd show up at the house with a beat-up old fiddle his uncle used to play. Didn't have no case his paw had pawned that years ago before he skipped town. Johnny Boy just carried it round by the neck. Uh, sir? The bobcat says, the kind of voice you could tell he's used to having to tell people things they don't want to hear for his job. I don't think I know the fellow in question. Oh, don't worry, none. you don't got to. The feather's the important part anyway. The skunk either can't tell we didn't want to hear the story, or is pretending, because he doesn't care. So Johnny Boy would turn up at the juke house, and every night when a fellow'd least expect it, when you're just trying to knock back a whiskey or two to make your back stop aching from work before you get on your way home, suddenly there's an almighty horrible screeching noise. By the time you caught your balance and stopped choking on the whiskey, you swallowed wrong. He's announcing that screeching was supposed to be my old Kentucky home, and did anybody have any requests? If I'd been quicker on the uptake, I would have said something right then about, yeah. Sure is a bad deal when someone barges in and starts up a whole last performance at a group of strangers who don't want it and didn't ask for it. How long he got put up with would differ from night to night, but tornn't never long. Sooner or later he'd get laughed out or shouted out or kicked out. He'd swear up and down that one day he'd prove us all wrong, he'd be the best damn fiddle player anyone had ever heard. Then he'd scurry off home with his tail twixt his legs and his fiddle in his paw. But he was always back the next night. The old skunk stares into the burning stove through the bedraggled fringe of the feather he's still got a death grip on. Till he wasn't. One morning he didn't turn up to work. Fellas go to check his shack, all his clothes and things is still there, even the old fiddle. But he ain't. Some thought he was sleeping off a mean hangover in a ditch somewhere. Some thought he'd hopped a train and skipped town like his paw for him. Some said he had been seen out in the old cart road when it crossed them tracks that led up to the closed-down mines. Said he was hollering and weeping and carrying on past midnight. Guess there was some jokes about how that didn't sound no different than his usual routine at the juke house. Thunder sounds, close enough that it rattles the windows and roof. The old skunk looks around, hunches his shoulders, like he's surprised to see us there. "'You all right there, Hun? The bison says, like she's quieting a child. She's got a softer voice than I would have guessed. Why... The skunk blinks himself back into the present. I'll be just fine, ma'am. Just gotta finish my story. He says, exactly like I was about to finish that sentence with, before it's too late. We meant to keep an eye out for him, for a couple weeks. but You know how it is? You're thinking about clearing brush, about sweeping locusts out of the tomato patch. But what you're going to do if the well goes dry before you can get the windmill fixed, and next thing you know, it's been forty days and forty nights, and everybody's forgot Johnny Boy like he's prohibition. Till the night he walks into the jukehouse again. The skunk's growling now more than he is speaking. Wouldn't blame you none for not knowing him to look at. A few fellows there that night didn't recognize him at first. He looked different. Taller, harder, more sure of hisself. He's wearing a dirty, raggedy black poncho. looked like he stole it out of a stable, and a beat up hat with a crow's feather stuck in the brim. When he gets a couple steps inside, he throws the poncho back over his shoulders, and I seen he ain't got no shirt, just some odd looking trousers and boots, old fashioned, like from your grandpa's closet. But I also seen under the poncho. He's carrying the fanciest-looking fiddle I ever laid eyes on. He pauses, waits for a rumble of thunder to stop rattling the windows and squeezing the roof. I'm no wire polisher myself. I wouldn't know a decent fiddle from a clattery old devil box less I got to hear him. Even then, you could probably fool me if you're good enough, or bad enough, at playing the business. But even I can tell this thing's something special. The body's black. It's midnight in a coal mine, but it shimmers all green and purple and gold when it moves past the light. The bow looks sharp at the end like a bayonet on an old rifle. The strings is already quivering for it even gets set to em like live high-tension wires, and the pins at the top is tufted like bedraggled feathers. Johnny Bird don't say nothing. Don't greet nobody. Don't tell nobody where he been. Just swaggers to the center of the floor and sets bow to strings like he always used to. He's huddled in on himself now, the feather clutched in both hands under his chin, one thumb running up and down the spine compulsive-like. I couldn't tell you what it was he played. Couldn't hum nor whistle a note of it, but I won't never be able to get it out of my head neither. It's like having that cold blast of wind come down over you out of the northwest right before the rain hits. It's like walking past a field of dry corn after harvest, and hearing all the dead stalks rustle against one to another, though there ain't no wind. It's like falling into a tangle of blackberries in bloom. Brambles swallow you up, thorns scrape you raw, but the smell of the blossoms is so strong you barely notice. It's like looking out from a window, and the shutters is banging in the wind and seeing a different land outside from the one that ought to be there. It's like being lost out in the dark, and having nothing but old tunes from when you was a young'un to ward off whatever might be out in the night watching you. It was so goddamn beautiful, but I ain't never been so sore afraid in all my life. Only thing is, longer a listen. He sits up a little, seems to notice us again. Unless I was sure it were a fiddle I was listening to, started to sound like a whole mess of crows, if crows have a gospel choir all singing together, or like somebody would made a fiddle out of crow voices, stead of out of wood or strings. I, uh, says the bobcat, Don't think I know what you mean by that, sir. Don't think I rightly know myself what I mean by that, the skunk shrugs. Like I said, couldn't tell you what twas. You'd have to hear it for your own self, not that I'd wish that on you. But you said it was beautiful, the bison's brows furrow. So beautiful, and I pray I don't never hear it again. Not that that does no good. He glares at the doorway, though there's nothing outside but the storm. So Johnny Boy finished playing, and it was dead silent. Not a one of us dared even to breathe. And he bowed slow, and he grinned mean, like he'd sure showed us. Which he had, all right. I'll give him that. So he turns around to the bar, get himself a drink, I s'pose. I remember thinking, he still ain't said a word to nobody, so I'm fixing to ask where he got that fiddle. There's a sudden wind, and all the lights went out. Suddenly, a gust of wind hits so hard it rocks the whole shed. The lights flicker, and the fire in the stove roars. For a second, all the fear I got gets real specific. But no tornado rips the walls down. No funnel cloud knocks the roof off. And we all relax, except the skunk. His back is ramrod straight, his face is looking out the window at the black thunderlit night, and his eyes are not focused on anything I can see. He continues like he's trying to hurry. I saw a square of less dark darkness, and I realized the doors must have blown open, and there's a man standing there, a tall man, too tall. Either that or his feet don't touch the ground none. Folks don't agree as what happened next. I heard him claim it was a wolf or a lion or a dragon— I don't believe none of them could see enough to even guess as to species. It was too dark to see most anything. All they could have seen, all I could see, was the two tall men blowing in. He glided over to Johnny Boy, cowering by the bar. He caught him up into the air, and he kissed him. Next thing I know, the darkness is a great flock of crows, scattering every which way, cawing and flapping and screaming all to hell. Everyone in the jukehouse is hollering and running, davin under the tables and covering their heads. The rain's passed on now. There's just a gentle wind humming under the corrugated steel eaves. By the time the lights come back on, the crows are gone. So's the tall man. So's Johnny Boy. Didn't nobody never see him again? The skunk crumples back a little. And he don't look drunk anymore, he just looks old and tired. And relieved. Like when you've been walking all day and your back is sore and your feet hurt and you finally get home and sit down. All I got to prove it happened is this feather. I think he's about to say more. But the lights go out. It's pitch black, but I hear the door creak open. I feel a breeze come in. I think I hear the skunk's voice say something. Sounds like it could be, find me. Could be, finally. And then the darkness ain't darkness, it's a writhing riot of crows, bursting out everywhere, screaming in my face, trying to pour out the bus station door fast as they can. Lights don't come back on, told you about the solar panel. But the stove does, a little. Just enough to see the skunk's gone. Only trace left is a feather. Not like the one he was holding. This one's glossy and new, and every little fiber's neatly in place. I shouldn't have picked it up. I shouldn't have touched it. It just didn't occur to me that not taking it was an option. I don't know. We wait for the bus outside. Only remains the storm and distant lightning off east. And if either of the other two see the silhouette of a tall man outlined against the lightning tall enough that maybe his feet aren't touching the ground, well, they don't say anything. They board fast as they can when the bus comes. I don't have money for a fare, but the bobcat says something to the driver, and I get given a break. They both sit as far from me as they can, and I don't blame them. So yeah, that's how I got this feather. I've carried it ever since, but I don't know any more about it than that. Except, maybe, if the lights go out any second now, if you hear the door slam open, if there's a wild, cold breeze, if the darkness is suddenly full of crows, and if I'm gone, you leave any feathers you see right where they lie. This was And the Channering Worm Doth Chide by Rob McWolf, read for you by the author himself as part of a special Halloween presentation called The Ghost of Dog. As always, you can find more stories on the web at thevoice.dog or find the show wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog.